Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 337. Young man, keep your eye on the prize. Play hard, but work harder. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Ralph Gilles. Ralph, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Yes, I am. All right. Great to have you here. Ralph Gilles was appointed head of design at Fiat Chrysler Automotive Global in April 2015. He's also a member of the Group Executive Council with FCA. Since joining Chrysler as a designer in 1992, Ralph has held numerous positions in design and business administration. He served as the Senior Vice President, Product Design, and CEO of Motorsports for FCA North America and for the SRT and Dodge brands. He's extremely active outside of the company as well, serving as executive sponsor for the Chrysler African American Network and more. He spends time on the track go-karting. He likes to drive in rallies. He drove in the car and driver one lap, and he's a Concord judge at Pebble Beach and other events and has received numerous academic and industry awards. Ralph, I told our listeners just a little bit about you, but you take a moment and share some more about your career and your passion for automobiles before we get into the questions. Well, for me, it was a journey that started when I was about six years old. Um, I like to joke that I grew up in the ugly 70s when it comes to car design. The <laughs> Americans were having a, a tough go of it you know, with yeah. the OPEC rules and the quick change to front drive architectures. Um, a lot of funny cars were born in those days, and I remember... Uh, I was always into car magazines. My parents would, would give me the odd car and driver or road and track at the time. And they always had, you know, plus Magnum PI shows like that. Oh, yeah. Where you, you'd be exposed to some good looking European sports cars. And I always wondered how come the cars on the street didn't look as sexy as that. But it kind of <laughs> turned me on. I guess I always kind of noticed cars, always had an appreciation for um, for car design. So I could kind of appreciate, you know, what looked good and what didn't look good. Uh, so that was exciting to me. Um, and then it kind of just changed my dreams, really, as a, as a young artist. Uh, I would sketch still lifes and things like that. And honestly, counselors didn't really know what to do with my, my skill. They kind of <laughs> steered me towards engineering. So I went that direction for, uh, uh, for the beginning of my Canadian college and then discovered CCS, which is a, a design school that I graduated from. I'm actually on the board of that school today. Right. And then just, you know, I, I got a bit of a, a kickstart from Chrysler. I have to be honest, my, I wrote to Lee Iacocca when I was a kid because he was on TV all the time. So my aunt encouraged me to write a letter to Chrysler and say, what do I do with this obsession for cars? And they wrote back and recommended I go to design school. And I did just that. So um, in the back of my mind, I said, I'd I'd love to work for that company someday. And uh, I I did. So I've only I've been at Chrysler since 1992. You know, what is so incredible about your story, and you're a young guy to be in the position that you're in is you knew what you wanted to do so far back. And I hear that from so many of my guests. But to stay with the same company, to, to write Lee Iacocca and then stay with the same company is absolutely incredible. I've heard that from several of my guests who are designers. They've written uh, race car drivers and wanted to go into racing. Uh, Dominic Dobson was on the show and he wrote Jackie Stewart and he actually wrote him back when he was a little boy and ended up yeah. racing cars. So uh, a good lesson for those entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs out there listening is uh, step forward, talk to people, reach out to people. As we continue on your journey, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote. 
It's a saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success, and it's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Ralph, take the wheel. I have a few. I had an uncle that, you know, as I was literally shipping off to college, he, he put his hand on my shoulder and looked me in the eye and he goes, young man, keep your eye on the prize, right? <laughs> Honestly, I didn't know what he meant forever. I was like, what does he mean, eye on the prize? And I think he really meant, you know, keep your eye on the big picture. You know, don't get too caught up in the moment and really chart your life out and think, Think about how others perceive you. Think also about your contribution to the whole, not just your personal personal wants and needs. And the one that I've come up with in my own, you know, just to, you can get, you know, I'm a bit of a workaholic in a way. So <laughs> sometimes you have to learn to play a little bit, you know. So I've always said it to my family and my, my, my own staff is play hard, but work harder. Mm. You know what I mean? So it's something where don't forget to, to, to get calibrate your brain a little bit and get to know each other through play and fun and activities outside of work and then you then work isn't so much work right it's just natural it, it feels you work hard but you don't even realize you're doing it so things like that i'm not big on on quotes but more uh more i guess leadership styles and it's really inclusion i guess you know absolutely well keeping your eye on the prize at some point in your early years at chrysler did you have your current position in mind because you've combined design with business there's a lot of designers that are pure designers and then there's the business side but you've combined both not initially. I, I, first 10 years of my career were just simply head down, headphones on, sketching, enjoying what I did. And I, I guess I, I got, I was being mentored without realizing it. There was a lot of people looking out for me and I didn't really think about it at the time. But somewhere about, you know, I would say five, six, eight years in, I, I was promoted fairly early to being a manager. And that's when I kind of saw myself a little differently. I said, wow, I guess I, I guess I do this leadership thing. It kind of came naturally to to lead but really, it's the the constant mentoring. I mean, I was always I always had a leader to look up to, whether it was Tom Gale or even my previous bosses. Uh, always looked at them as as like, wow, look how why do I feel so good when he's in the room? There's something about that guy that that really turns me on in terms of, of leadership styles, the way he speaks, the way he he presents his ideas, and that that kind of passive mentorship was a big deal for me. I really uh, and I started noticing more and keeping my eyes open and noticing other leaders. So it wasn't really about, hey, I want to be him when I grow up. It was more going, oh, I could be a better person by doing this, you know, and by adding all these things to myself. Because my parents really didn't understand the automotive industry. So they just pretty much said, hey, good luck, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, once I got here, I had to really kind of fend for myself and, and um, understand. And I've noticed in, in, in my leadership style, in, my, in the guys I choose to, to lead for me and, and delegate to also have that. You know, they really do care about the people around them and, and kind of, if someone's kind of falling behind, they pick them up or, or give them pointers. So there's really, it's kind of a 360 um, um, care circle, so to speak. So everyone is really looking out for each other here. Well, I'll, do, I'll steer off course just a little bit here because you hit on a really important point. If there was one thing about leadership, uh, running a company, running a division, a company like you're doing, what would that one thing be in your mind? I think for me, it's campaigning the vision. I mean, because what we do as designers is is quite particular. We we come sometimes can speak a language that other people in the companies can't necessarily understand. We sketch things that are sometimes so forward that they take a little, you know, they take a little massaging of the brain to get to understand. Sure. Well, I think designers uh, have to learn to communicate. The communication is something that's probably under under taught in schools, in universities, really. It, it takes a long time to learn how to campaign your vision because you can just do a hot sketch and expect the whole world to be excited by it and, and do your built your, your biddings, but it doesn't work that way. You have to really rally your, your team, rally engineering, rally uh, the marketing people, get everyone around it and yourself have to understand what they they need as well. 
So I think the, the the one big thing is is going back to the eye on the prize. The prize is the collective group prize, not your personal prize. Sure. Right? So if you open your eyes really wide and listen carefully and also share in a very strategic way, you'd be amazed how much further your ideas can go. First, listen to understand, then speak to be understood. Exactly. Stephen Covey's <laughs> Fifth Habit. You know, we talked in our pre-show chat about my son, Blake, who's attending his senior year of design school. And, and he shared the same thing with me. He said it's it's really he's learned in his first three years at college is it's about communication. And he's been frustrated with so many people that he's come across that don't know how to communicate properly. So he said, Dad, thanks for taking me to all those car shows all those years and pushing <laughs> me forward and making me talk to those people and teaching me how to communicate. It is really key. Would you share a story with us that instigated your passion for cars? Tell us about that pivotal moment in your life when you really knew you were a car guy. Wow. I think I didn't take, like I said, I didn't take my sketching. It was just a hobby for me. It was just something I, I did as a casual pastime. And I remember in, in the high school, my art teacher noticed that I liked to draw, but I liked to draw cars in particular. And then a young, a young um, boy, a transfer student from Japan actually was visiting our school for, for like six months and he also liked to sketch, right? And that was the first time I had come across another one. You know, it was almost like the mutants. You know, <laughs> when, when you recognize someone that has your, your a similar skill set. Because I honestly thought I was the best sketcher in the world. I I thought no one else could possibly sketch as good as I can. And then I, I bumped into this guy, and he was unbelievable, right? So yep. the two of us just had a face-off. It was like we kept bringing each other's game up by sketching away. And our, our teacher went as far as to put our... And we were in a high school that's a fairly good size high school, three thousand kids. Wow! And they would post our our, our uh, sketches in in the in the window, like the hall, the, the the main hall where the trophies are. They cleared all the trophies out, and they would put up our sketches. Wow! So every wow. week it was like, okay, who had the best sketch? It was all about and and at the time, I you know we were obsessed with being the best, and eventually it just became a fun thing to do, and everyone got into it. And that's when I realized, wow, maybe this is serious, something I could really do uh, as a career. So that was one thing, just seeing that. There's other talent up there. And to this day, that sensation continues. It happened in school. It happens here every day when I walk amongst a talented group. I mean, it is unbelievable how much talent we've amassed in, in this field, especially at Chrysler. And we all bring each other's game up, which is which is cool. So I can't name uh, pinpoint a pivotal moment, but I can say that was a time when it opened my eyes that, that this is a big deal. <laughs> I've heard of dance-offs, but draw-offs. That's something <laughs> kind of new. I've had many guests on the show who attended Art Center in Pasadena. And they said that when they went there, they thought they were such a great designer, drawer rather. And then they went and looked at the boards in some of the rooms and went, oh my gosh, it's another league. Yeah. I wish I could find that kid. I don't remember his name, but I wish one day I could find him again. Well, if you're listening out there, you know, (laughs) give Ralph a call, give me a call and we'll connect you two. I think that'd be a great reunion. What I'd love to do now is uh, what I like to say is crawl under the hood and look at a challenge and ask for you to share a great challenge or even a failure that you faced along the way in your career. But the most important part of this has to do with how did you overcome that situation and what did it teach you? I think when my boss uh, was presenting a a design of the Liberty interior, this is the Jeep Liberty from the late uh, 90s, I designed that. um, And I remember using the word I exactly how I'm doing. I was presenting to a group of marketing guys. And I kept saying, I, 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 you know, this is my design. This is my thing. My, and I was so proud of myself. And after, you know, the crowd cleared, my boss came to me and said, Ralph, in the future, use, use the word we, mm. you know? And I was like, whoa. And it really wrecked me. I went home that weekend, just destroyed and felt, felt hollow inside. And I grew up Canadian. So guilt can really wreak havoc <laughs> on your soul, you know? Yeah. But it really did, did teach me to kind of, again, think bigger, look 
almost pre- look at yourself when you're you know you're presenting really think about how you're being uh, interpreted and projected so it it forever changed how i presented my work from that i was it became more team oriented and really uh, realize that even if I it was my sketch, I'm really sketching for the behalf of the brand or or the project. It wasn't so important whose name's at the bottom of the picture, more what we're trying to accomplish. Sure. And that really uh, changed everything. It really um, realigned my, it was probably the best advice I've gotten as a leader or, or as a designer. Yeah, I received similar criticism once about, uh, a boss told me, there's no I in team. Exactly. <laughs> Because I, I spent many years in the design arena, not automotive, but graphic design and advertising. And same exact same thing happened to me. I went home just devastated, feeling like, oh, my gosh, can't believe I and did the that. The words I hate, you know, my least favorite word in, word in the world is the word arrogance. I can't mm. stand that word. And if, if someone even remotely thinks I'm arrogant, it bothers me because I, I go out of my way to not be arrogant, right? Right. And find ways to to kill arrogance when I see it. So, yeah. Uh, it's it's but it's a it's it's tough you know when you're in a very unique skill set it's tough to kind of to be forward and, and enthusiastic but not be arrogant. You know, so. Absolutely, great story. Thanks for sharing that. Let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I like to call an aha moment in your career. It's a time when the headlights come on and illuminate your way for that new idea or a direction that you had in your mind of where you were going to go. And tell us the steps you took to turn your aha moment into your success. Well, I, for me, it's it's tough because we, you know, a car takes so long to happen, right? It takes several years when you go to sketch a car and have it develop. But I think I, I go back to the working on the 300, you know, and this this was a car that started, I had, had a few fathers, you know, I was not by any means the instigator of the whole car, but I did see see the car as, as something, you know, Tom Gale back then was trying to take the brand premium. A lot of people were trying to to understand how we can do a rear drive luxury sedan, still have it be affordable, have it have presence. And I remember seeing Bob Hubbick's sketch and Freeman Thomas's work in the studio next to me. And I was going to adopt the project ultimately. It was supposed to go to my studio uh, when I was head of rear drive vehicles. And the aha moment was like, okay, we have this particular direction we can go and the evolutionary direction, which would have been the 300M, the sleek version of the car. So, the, and then it was the, the other aha moment was trying to get everyone around it, right? Get everyone to, to adopt this blocky, strange, big grilled thing. When we were, every other car we were doing was very fast and swept and cab forward. So it was more about, you know, how do I, how do I defend and, and explain this vision to a broader group? And that's when I learned the aha moment was just, again, bringing engineering into the dome once in a while. We would have coffee meetings around the, the idea and, and really intoxicate them with the vision. You know, that's that's the best way I could put it, was learning that, you know, you can't just design for yourself. You can't just look at each other. Surround yourself with designers, you're just going to go crazy, right? So, yes. So we brought the engineers in early, got them to fall in love with the concept, and then they got so excited and motivated, and then the rest just happened. To this day, I use that same technique where we we basically took the fortress down from design office and bring our engineering partners in so early in the process that they are completely wed to it and get it and want to fight for it. So there's no one aha moment. It's just a process. You know? Yeah, I love the way you describe that. And I'll tell you, I've been an automotive car freak like you since I was a little boy, and I've always loved European cars. And when the 300 came out, mm-hmm. I sat back and said, ah, now they get it. <laughs> they get it. And because it just it struck me as a designer and as a car fanatic as a car that kind of went over that step. And I'm not sure if I'm saying this right, but it brought European design to a U.S. car market that really hit on me, being a lover of Mercedes, BMW, Porsche, those kind of marks. It, it just, I just went, oh, yeah, they got it. 
that is so cool. And I was fortunate enough to drive a bunch of those. I would always make sure I could rent one if I was going somewhere, <laughs> if somebody ran away. So I could drive and experience it because I always thought I'm just a European car guy. So you guys did an absolutely astounding job there. Really, really great. So it's fun to hear a little of that inside story. How about proudest career moments? You've had so many. I, I, I know you have, but is there one in particular that you could share with us? I know you don't like that word arrogance, and we'll just leave that out of this, but is there one that just really made you feel great about what you were doing and, and you knew you were on the right path? Wow. I think it's um, a meeting I had with my current boss, Sergio. He, you know, he did interviews with the current leadership and a few of us, many of us, before he decided who would be on the leadership team. And it was the most unusual interview I've ever had with with a, a boss. And uh, he just looked me in the eye and he goes, why do you want to work here? Why do you like Chrysler so much? And for me, it was it, it really made me quickly look almost like this interview does. But it, makes, it made me look into my soul quickly and say, OK, I, I want when I sit down next to someone on an airplane, I told him a story just like this. I said, if I sit down next to someone on the airplane, and they ask me who I work for, which happens a lot. You know, say, hey, so what do you do for a yeah, living? You know, sure. I want to be able to say Chrysler and have them go. You know, sometimes in the old, old days, 10 years ago, you'd say that to people and they'd be like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, <laughs> oh, gosh. sometimes they'd be excited. Sometimes they'd be sorry. You know, for some reason, there was always some bizarre answer. Mm-hmm. I want them just to say, that's cool. I love that company. Right. And that's exactly what motivates me to this day. And it's it's getting there. You know, and so we're, we're, we're really getting to clean up a lot of the stuff we've had to clean up and, and really start to get back to making some beautiful, relevant product. And and that's what I live for. It's really that simple. I want us to be a household name for great design, great product, great energetic stuff that we do. And it takes time, but we're getting there. Well, you are getting there. You know, the cars like the Hellcat, the Jeep Cherokee, which when I first saw that, I went, whoa, okay. Again, like the 300, these guys are stepping out of their comfort zone and into a whole nother arena. And again, yeah. being a, a, I'm a design guy. I love design. Design is so important to me. And when I see what is coming out of the company now, I really feel great about it, and I love hearing that inside story <laughs> and, and these these fun interview processes. Is, you know, you think there's going to be one thing, and then they ask you something really simple. Yeah, and that was it. He he said, "Okay, have a good day." And that was the end of the. <laughs> wow. Oh well, I one guess and a half minute long interview. I thought I was done. I thought I was going to have to pack some boxes, but yeah, you kind of went. Gee, I guess that didn't go very well. But <laughs> huh? you answered the right way. Perfect. You answered from your heart. That's the most important. Let's have a little bit of fun here. What was your first really special car? And if you could share a memory with me that you have of that vehicle. Well, I'm going to skip the first car I had, but the <laughs> that's second a, car I had. That's I, why I say special, special car. <laughs> it was an Austin Marina. It was a terrible car. That Anyway, the first car <laughs> I wanted to have was a, a Volkswagen Scirocco. Uh, I had a Scirocco. My first yeah. brand new car was a 79 Scirocco. I love that car. Yeah. I had the same body style. I had the last uh, year was 81 yep. S, Scirocco S. Mm-hmm. And I had, uh, as a kid, again, growing up, it was one of those cars that stood out. And later I found out it was designed by one of my favorite designers, Jujaro. Jujaro, um, yeah. He designed, uh, and I own a few of his cars now. I love um, the 69 GTV is one of my favorites, uh, Alfa Romeo, Julia. Oh, yes. Uh, Julieta, sorry. And now I have one of those now, but I love his work and I was just drawn to to his stuff. And and that car at the time was was very stylish and had a kick up in the belt line and mm-hmm. some very cool lines. So I ended up owning one eventually uh, later on after I graduated from college. So that was my first car I would consider a possession where I really and I restored it completely and it was fun. Wow. Can you share maybe one memory you, you remember being somewhere or going on a trip or something with that car? Oh, yeah. I, I took <laughs> 
cross country and it uh, blew a head gasket. So, so I was pulled over the side of the road and um, I had my girlfriend, who is now my wife. That was a true test of our relationship. Uh, yeah. We barely had cell phones. I had to go to a payphone, walk half a mile and go to a payphone. And I told her all the parts. I actually had a spare head gasket. It was doing that a few times. And she brought all the tools and I, I repaired it on the side of the road, had the choice to drive. I was halfway to Montreal. I was driving from Detroit to Montreal right. to go back or risk it. And I actually kept going. And it was fine. It, it survived the whole weekend. Wow. I got greedy and I was looking for extra power and I had the timing too aggressive and okay. detonated its brains out. You know, I used to drive my car. I lived in San Diego and I used to drive to Mammoth Mountain, which is about an eight hour drive and yeah. uh, blew a freeze plug in that Scirocco once in the middle of the night. Oh, Couldn't fix that on the side of the road. <laughs> <laughs> Although I had a guest on once who he was with his dad in old Bugatti and his dad fixed a freeze plug with a silver half dollar by pounding it oh. down and into the hole of the engine block and filling it up with some a stream water and they went on but uh that was an old bugatti so what who's think great that's pretty cool that we share that car i actually became a mechanic because of that car it was so unreliable i had uh, the transmission out the engine out everything out wow. of the car. i loved it so much it was labor of love is there a vehicle that you've owned in your past that you let go that you really wish you had back in your garage well, it was that uh, it was that GTV. I had one about twelve years ago, mm-hmm. and I had to sell it because we had a baby, and it was it wasn't practical. Got a minivan, the whole the whole scene you can imagine. Uh oh! <laughs> and I just repurchased the the GTV again about three months ago. So I oh. can't say I wish I had it because I actually went out and found it again. And I drove it to work today. Ironically, you ask about that. Well, um, that's cool. That was meant to be, then. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, one of those cars. I don't know why I've always loved it. I mean, I laid eyes on it as a young, young boy. So. Well, the Alphas are just beautiful cars. And you go back to the vintage Alphas and they're just beyond beauty. They're works of art. They're little jewels, especially when you go back to like to the 8C. Yes. I mean, just yes. works of art. They're absolutely incredible. And, you know, I read something, uh, you mentioned minivan because I've been kind of an anti-minivan. But I know you guys are working on, and I know we can't go into that discussion, but you're working on making a minivan that's something somebody walks by and says, that's a minivan? Exactly. You said it. And that's that was kind of the internal design mantra. And the engineers that did that for their engineering piece. And there's a lot of good news on that, Ben. So you're going to awesome. see uh, something special soon here. Good. Can't wait. Let's talk about current projects. And I know there's a lot you can't talk about because of what's coming up, but maybe it's something in your personal life or your cars. But is there something you're working on right now uh, that really has you excited and fired up? Well, I'm, I'm the new job that you mentioned at the beginning of the interview. Um, since April 1st, I've been really uh, diving into the European stuff. So I'm working on the next generation of Alphas, which is exciting to me. Wow. Uh, it's a brand I've always uh, been very fond of. So that's that's complementing all the work I do stateside and Fiat. So that's really, I'm learning a lot. I actually spent two weeks in, in Italy on purpose. It's a vacation, but also just to drink the, the Italian culture. And it was very enriching. So I can't, I push myself every time. I really can't believe I, I have this opportunity to to really dig my my teeth into that but in terms of personal projects i play with my viper a lot i really uh i I track it i kind of i don't race wheel to wheel anymore so i have the time but but i I love driving it tuning suspension and playing with it so that's that's my hobby Uh, and i don't golf i don't boat i don't do anything (laughs) i just do that so yeah no good for you you know i got to spend a little time at uh, the racing school it's where i got my racing license was at laguna seca and at the (laughs) time they had the vipers there you know, we got to spend some time. This is a little while ago, but an older generation, but we got to spend time in those cars. Oh, yeah. Oh, Skip Barber. Yeah. What fun cars. Oh, my gosh. You throw those things around. Really great, fun, fast cars. 
Now, here's a very introspective question, and I love asking this, and I'm going to really love asking this of you being a designer. If you were a car, what kind of car would Ralph be? (laughs) I see you laughing. And why? Yeah, tough question for a designer. I I wouldn't be a sports car. Everyone thinks I'm a muscle head when it comes to cars, but I'm actually fairly practical. Mm -hmm. I think I'd be the Charger. Charger? The Charger Hellcat would be. Nice. It has a dual personality. You know, it's athletic, it's family-oriented, it's practical, but it's it's outrageous at the same time. It's also can be subtle, right? You don't really know what it's got until you, you kind of push it. So I don't know. Yeah, I like that answer. Great answer. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Ralph's the Hellcat. <laughs> there you go. So Ralph, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Do you love vintage cars? Then go to CarsYeah.com and get a free copy of the fantastic Filler Up book. It's a full-color ebook filled with fuel filler fun with over 60 color photographs of vintage cars plus inspirational quotes from some of the most famous automotive enthusiasts of all time. Simply go to carsyad.com and click on the free book button on the homepage. Download your free Filler Up book today at Cars Yeah. Have you turned your key and heard that dreaded tick, 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 tick because of a dead battery? No worries. I've got the NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in your glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that will start a dead battery in your car, boat, truck, or RV. It packs a whopping 12-volt, 400-amp starting power and can start up to 20 dead batteries on a single charge. Plus, it has built-in spark-proof technology with reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart your vehicle. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are solid copper for maximum conductivity, and there's a built-in ultra-bright dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS emergency strobe. It's easily rechargeable with a USB outlet, and you can charge your smartphone or tablet while you're on the road. Works on any 12-volt lead-acid battery. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, your battery care source since 1914. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. All right, Ralph, we're entering the last lap. And you're a guy who's been on the track. You know what this means. The white flag's out, and it's where we put our foot down. And I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some quick blips of the throttle answers. Are you ready? Okay. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Wow. Buy a car for yourself, not for the next guy. <laughs> it really bothers me when people buy a car and put it away, cover it up, and don't enjoy it. So, uh, Thank you for saying something that. something you like, drive it. Enjoy it. Yes, absolutely. I always say because if you get stuck with it, at least you'll enjoy it. <laughs> exactly. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your success over the years? I tolerate anybody, right? So whether I'm at the airport, whether I'm, I'm in line at the grocery store, when I say tolerate, it's a terrible word, but I mean, I, I love people. I really enjoy, I learn so much from day to day, everybody. I don't care if they're the janitor or the president of a company I've come across. All I've been on private jets, I've been in commercial, I've been everywhere. And I, I learned so, so much from people from all walks of life. And, and it's really enriched me and I, I literally go around as humble as possible. I wear T-shirts and ripped jeans on the weekends, so no one has any clue who I am. And I love that because I, I really get a much more authentic taste of America and anywhere I go. Awesome. Love that. How about a resource? I know there's so many out there these days, but is there one in particular you think the Cars Out listeners would really enjoy that you've enjoyed? 
In terms of a designer, one of the best website, again, is Car Design News. I plug them all the time, cardesignnews.com, uh, wealth of information. I get asked a lot. I mean, when I was uh, writing letters to Iacocca, there was no, no such thing as the Internet. <laughs> yeah. But if you go to that website, it really does kind of lead you to, you know, deep, deep information about what's on, on, on uh, for the career. And actually, Chrysler has a great uh, careers.com. I believe it calls ChryslerCareers.com is the name of the website. Lots of great information on there. And we have a brand new video that explains uh, what we do in design office, which I, I really would love people to see. Would you share a book that you think our listeners would really enjoy reading? Yeah, it's not really an automotive book. It's a leadership book called It's Your Ship. It, it talks about a naval commander uh, who had a, a disaster of, an, of a boat to manage and turned it around through his leadership style. And it really... It's really applicable to any any business, really, about really getting the people themselves to solve the issue, not not top down, more bottoms up, but in a way that people enjoy working for you. Well, I'll remind everybody you can find these great links that Ralph has shared with us at carsyad.com slash Ralph Gilles. His last name is spelled G-I-L-L-E-S. Do you have any interesting hobbies outside of your passion for cars? You talked about just, you know, you like going out on the track. I know you like go-karting. You don't do any wheel-to-wheel now. I assume your insurance guys probably don't like that. but <laughs> No comment on that. Yeah. Um, I like to mountain bike. Uh, oh, I love cool. mountain biking. It's technical. I like the bike as, as a piece of design itself. I, I usually spend too much on the bike just because I like the way they look. Yeah. And uh, I like traveling. I really, to me, I'm a kind of a frustrated anthropologist. So by going on as many trips as I can, I get a real good dose of, of local culture wherever country it may be. Fantastic. So, uh, my wife and I absolutely love traveling. Fantastic. All right, we're up to the checkered flag, and this last question can be a real doozy. If you could only have one collector car in your garage, and you can't sell it to buy a bunch of other cars with, so that little trick's off the table. But don't worry about the cost, because today I'm going to write the check, even one of those big golfer's checks with a lot of zeros, if you'd like. What would that one vehicle be, and more importantly, why? And when you ask, you mean older cars? Yeah, or? collector car. Don't worry about a new car because you, you're going to have that Chrysler, Fiat, whatever yeah. it is in your garage. But this is a collector car, vintage car, classic car, could be a race car, could be a motorcycle. I love the uh, 250 GTO Ferrari. Oh. <laughs> Those are $40 million nowadays, but you say you would write the check, so. Yeah, you're going to cost me a few pennies. Well, what, you know. Let's talk about that for a minute because I have a lot of – that's probably the most selected car on this show except for an Alpha 8C. A lot of people love the old Alphas. I love that car as well. Yeah, but what is it about the GTO? And I'd love to hear it from a designer perspective that just – because I, I love those cars too. It's my son's favorite car as well. Yeah, I don't – it's very sensual. I mean the the, the silhouette of the car is, is, exa- is an exaggeration of itself. It has an impossibly long nose. It has this beautiful coupe-like uh, silhouette. Uh, the cutoff tail, and they were trying to understand aerodynamics. They didn't have wind tunnels like we do now, and you could see they were trying to make the design windswept and respect the air. So it has this, this essence of velocity. It looks like it's really traveling through the air. At the same time, it's hunkered down. It's kind of shrink-wrapped around its wheels, which gives it a really athletic stance. And the fact that it still looks great today, I mean, you can see a lot of that influence in the Viper and some of the sports cars still to this day have those those proportions. Yeah, that that's one reason I like it. And I love also cars that look like they grew the way they are. You know, they're not pieced together. They kind of one surface blends into the next, into the next, and it and it has that kind of almost human quality where it just looks organically grown, not not constructed. Sure. And those designs tend to last much longer because they look like human form. You know, they, your mind responds to them more. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would agree. I love that car. I. I it's unaffordable, but that's. <laughs> I know they've gotten crazy. What? What if? Since I'm going to buy you one, what color would you like? 
Uh, actually, not red. Um, Good for you. Uh, the yellows are, I think, the most. There might only be one yellow one out there. Yeah. Yeah. Were you uh, at Monterey the year they had in Laguna Seca? The year they had all those GTOs there out yes. racing on the track. Yeah. I, I left a pool of drool. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The AC dimension is is beautiful. I think you're talking about the 34 8C. Yeah. Yeah. 8C. Yep. Yeah. That's probably my second close second. Um, yeah, they're just absolutely yeah, gorgeous, gorgeous cars. And uh, I got to visit uh, John Mozart's collection a couple of weeks ago when I was down in Monterey, and he's got yeah. the convertible version of one of those sitting in his collection. And uh, of course, up here in the Northwest, John Shirley has the coupe version that I got to spend a day photographing once. And uh, yeah, they are works of art. I mean, in the combination back then of a race car, street car, same with the GTO. So I, I see where you're going with this. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. And it's brother. I have to plug the 275 GTB as well. They're both in the same league. Oh gosh, opinion. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and all the yeah, you're picking all the real expensive ones, aren't you? <laughs> you're right. I do the same thing. Yeah, they're beautiful vehicles. Ralph, you've taken me on a great ride today, and I've really enjoyed spending some time with you. I was so looking forward to this discussion. I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Cars Yeah listeners and with me. Could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off down the track in that 250 GTO? Well, I'd say for people to learn more about FCA. I mean, the, the company, it's not to plug Chrysler, you know, so boldly, but we really have come a long way. A lot of people still don't understand the breadth of, the, you know, Alfa Romeo, Jeep, uh, Chrysler, Ram. And we have a lot of juicy brands. For me as a designer, it's an absolute pleasure to be able to work on such a variety. Uh, a lot of information can be found at fcagroup.com. Also the careers uh, website. So I want to like plug the industry in general. I think the automotive industry is misunderstood in ways it's much more technical than people understand there's a lot of technology behind the scenes to make the cars in the first place and also in the cars themselves the very i think as designers it's the most exciting time ever for the industry it's it's actually i think the future is very bright for this industry oh absolutely and those sites that you mentioned is that the best way for our listeners to learn more about fiat chrysler automotive and in the brand yeah. okay great okay well listeners again you'll find these links and everything Ralph has shared with us today at CarsYad.com, just put Ralph in the search box. His show notes page will pop right up. Ralph, thank you for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and, and for sharing your experiences with the listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYad.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!